This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. everyone so uh we actually don't wind up mentioning who we're visiting with because tom gets uh tom makes a joke and then we get off on a tangent so i wanted to jump in before the show starts to mention that we're actually talking to this episode michael wood jr uh he's a retired baltimore police officer and a veteran of the uh, marine corps and uh and he is a public activist about uh, that speaks out against police brutality and we just had this great conversation, but I just wanted to make sure we, we mentioned who he was uh, so people aren't wondering who he is throughout the entire uh, uh, program. So here is uh, an entire show, which is just an interview uh, with Michael Wood Jr. And then at the end, there's a little bit of David Icke stuff. Uh, we recorded this before I went on vacation. I am actually recording this now on vacation, uh, and then I'm going to put it together and, and so you guys will have a show on Monday. But uh, But I just wanted to make sure... That uh, that you knew it was not a normal show. It's not a it's not a regular fair. Uh, there's no news stories. Uh, we just do an interview for the entire show. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full show of uh, random funny stories uh, to talk about. Without further ado, uh, here's Michael Wood Jr. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago. He's already finished the first beer. This guy is moving. Jesus Christ. He's moving. Well, act, oh, hold on a second. Uh, he's almost done. He's almost hold done. Hold on a second. I, I, actually, I actually don't know exactly how to introduce you properly. Me neither. Okay. Um, so help, help me introduce you properly before, before I start this. Because I, I don't want to say... Recording live from Glory Hill Studios, we're joined by Michael David Smalley's totes good friend. Like so, so I want to know. <laughs> actually, I think that's perfect. <laughs> I want to yeah. know. Well, actually, fuck it. No, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it. No, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care. You can fucking give your own qualifications. We fucking, we I'm gonna fuck already, this thing right in the chicken. We already gave it up. We already gave it up. Recording live from Glory Hill Studios in Chicago. This is cognitive dissonance. Every episode, we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 310 of Cognitive Distance, and we are joined today mm-hmm. by the illustrious, uh-huh. the inimitable Michael David Smalley's friend <laughs> who strong-armed us on Twitter. The only way we're ever going to get a goddamn dogma debate is basically to blow his friends. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We got a fucking full late fucking strangers from not only just strangers, but strangers from Baltimore who almost certainly have social diseases. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway, Michael. Glad to have you in studio. Welcome. Social diseases and all. Welcome. I'm glad to find out that this is going to be much more of a happy experience than I. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm real toothy, buddy. Yeah. It's not that good. Yeah. Actually, is this really the right episode number though? I don't know. Oh, I didn't double check. damn. I didn't double damn, check. Damn, he's dropping the fucking hammer on I mean, this early. Fucking show up, I'll drink our beer, yeah. eat some pizza, oh, you know, man. fucking. All right. So why slam. does Chicago suck? You're you're gonna you're gonna go into this big long diatribe about traffic. So it's it's not just traffic. Okay. Who the fuck makes levels? levels why does what? your city have levels? Levels of what? Like there's lower, the upper level, oh, upper, there's the lower, lower, lower level, <laughs> lower and then you can't you park on the top <laughs> level. You have to go down to the lower level, Look. and if you miss the turn, it's 17 turns before you can get back <laughs> to the correct turn, and then there's 14 pedestrians who are blocking you, like... Why the fuck are you coming down here? And you're like, guys, I just want to park the car. I've driven around the city for about two and a half hours now. And then you miss the turn. And you can't get over. So now you're 17 turns back around <laughs> to the fuck. And then you're like, and then the GPS is like upper, lower. It doesn't fucking know. So yeah, no. you're driving yeah. all over the place. It has taken yeah. me. I've driven around the city for four hours. Yeah. Having broken 20 miles per hour. Uh-huh. I went from nice to like just sitting there and being like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't yell at your wife and kid. Don't. <laughs> Don't fucking freak out. Everything will be fine. You don't have to go back. This Mm -hmm. is fine. Just Mm -hmm. keep fucking moving. Everything will be okay. And I just left Cleveland, who you talk shit about all the time. Because it's terrible. But I drove around the whole city at the speed limit with no traffic. It's because there's no people. Basically, in Cleveland, you can just drive around yelling, I'm the mayor! I'm the mayor! And that's actually how you become the mayor. That's it. You're in a city that nobody cares about. The people yeah. in Cleveland, they're, all the roads just are one way out. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> there's one building in the center. Every road is a spoke on that wheel leading pretty much, out. Pretty much. I mean, you're, you're comparing a city so with 390,000 people. I just want to point out. I just want to point out. The reason why we have a lower level is so we can put our homeless somewhere. <laughs> That's why we need it. That's a kindness. It's that, a kindness a for them. They they don't have a lot of they, they they when you get that old it's hard to get a tan and so we want to make sure that we keep our chud underground that's that's the goal of can't what afford we, no sunscreen no I God, no, no should, we're not going to pay for that I mean they're I mean, homeless man like these are fucking luxuries who pays for that <laughs> right this is going to get me in trouble <laughs> I just be this high taking the high road all the time and just be, don't tell anybody about it just right. don't yeah, mention we're not, nobody just will don't tell nobody's going to hear we're not yeah. going to say your last name your mm-hmm. name's Mike so David's friend. We're just going to Mike's David's, David's friend. friend. Mike. So Mike's David friend. I, I heard you on Rogan. <laughs> we heard you on Joe Rogan's show. And one of the things that you said was that you put in your name through your resume in the pile when Chicago Top Cop came out when when they when they needed a new one when they fired the last guy who wasn't doing a terrible job actually he wasn't doing he wasn't doing that bad wow. okay clearly a disconnect <laughs> clearly a disconnect and, and I'll, point, I'll point to the reason why I think that is because. Our murders are like doubled this year in comparison <laughs> to previous years. Like, so, hold on, when that's your bar, yeah. it's like, well, the other guy, the murders were only super high. Yeah, no, they're, they're super su- duper super, high, super extra. High. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, the murders are the murders out this year are absolutely they're through the roof. It's this been year. hot out. It's though, been to be really fair. bad. Yeah. Um, but you threw your your resume in, right? Now, clearly, you had a vision. What's your vision for Chicago? Your first year on the job. What do you do to change? What's going on in Chicago? We have fucking just police black sites. We have Laquan McDonald getting gunned down in Chicago streets. We have you know harassment and and all kinds of stuff that happens with the Chicago Police Department constantly. What do you do? Your well, first see, so year? hold on a second because those are the downsides. Okay. The upside no, the is upside the murder is, rate continues to climb. Sure, mm. and sometimes they ride horses. I'm actually so, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the upside. Yeah, so yeah. well, okay, so you know how <laughs> guys are so. <laughs> 
No, we're trying to be serious, though. I mean, I know, it's hard. for a moment. Yeah. So you, you hear now about how you have police accountability, civilian police accountability boards that want to review incidents, right? So my fundamental philosophy is that you take that board and instead of it being this subset to the side, it actually take that idea, this is simplified, and just move it all the way to the top. So the police, I, I would be a CEO, like a board to CEO relationship. So what I would fundamentally be doing is the first time ever asking you what you want your police department to do. Because throughout the history of America, police departments have always told you what they're going to do and how they're going to solve crime. They've never listened. So what I want to do fundamentally is listen. So I have a lot of ideas and a lot of things. Like the first and foremost, you have to end the drug war. That's, that's the number one killer that's doing all this because it creates an occupying army. And when you're occupied, it, like think about at home. So wherever you are in America, especially if you're in some podunk place, you want to have your gun and you're afraid that uh, the Muslims are going to come blow you up over in your theater that nobody gives two shits about. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm a kid. I'm worried. <laughs> fucking, you're kidding me? No, the fucking terrorists can't spell kankakee. So if you're that person and you were sitting there and a bunch of black Muslims were in your neighborhood. Dude, why do they got to be black Muslims? They're because that's, scary what, that's what they fear. Okay. Right? So, all right, they're black gay Muslims. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> they're so confused. <laughs> and they're in your neighborhood coming in. And then over-criminalization your entire population, murdering your children, throwing them into prison, taking fathers away from children, what would your response be? You would exercise those Second Amendment rights and say, fuck you, I'm taking my neighborhood back. And so that is literally what we are doing in the south side of Chicago right now, and that must end. So I got a question, though, because weren't there attempts to do something sort of similar with programs like Ceasefire and other programs that attempt to bring community and policing Together, I know it's, I know it's a little different, but those those were I thought an attempt to bridge that gap. And I also know that ceasefire has since been defunded, probably because I think it was successful, if I'm not mistaken. So I think <laughs> well, that's why. Well, programs like ceasefire are fine. They're one of those tiny facets, mm-hmm. right. but they're fundamentally flawed in the idea that the police and the community have to come together in the middle. That's a false paradigm. The police must come to the community. Community bears no responsibility to go to the police. The police are the one that serve. It's not we have some mutual thing where we agree somewhere in the middle, like in politics, mm-hmm. that, you know, okay, you can kill some of us, <laughs> but not all of us. So, so that, that idea is completely flawed. So it's never been done right. What I am scientifically is a business manager and I'm trying to put those principles over into policing so you have metrics that reflect that. Right now, police are measured by how many people they arrest, not right, actually right. whether they have convictions. Not, they're not focused on what crimes they solve. They're focused on, on what looks good for them to get to the next level. So you have to change all the fundamental metrics so that they are incentivized just by human nature to sure. do those things that you want them to be. And I'm not going to dare define them because this is your city and I will make sure the police department operates as you want them to. So would they be accountable to the to the uh, to the citizens in the sense that if there was a misconduct, some sort of misconduct? It's your agency. Okay. That's that's the fundamental difference. Right, right, it's, right. It's right now this policing is a tool of an oligarchy. It is a tool of a mayor and a city council, mainly the mayor, and it's a tool for them to achieve political gain because they have no vested interest in your city. They just want to get to the next level up. So well, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm going to push back on that. That seems almost hopelessly cynical. That, and and maybe that's borne out by by the data, but that seems so cynical. Do you not think that? 
any mayor or any city council people that they that they get into this with with anything approaching real intentions to 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 make things better or to have some real you know hallmarks of change. I mean, that's so cynical. Do you know so any push- mayors? Do you know any mayors that have given up their power over policing and returned it to the people? Well, no, no, I don't. I don't then know. They're disingenuous. You think so? Yeah. You because- think, or, or maybe it just. It's just it's just a paradigm shift that hasn't occurred to well, them. Like so, say say I was. Uh, that's a good point. That it wasn't a shift they thought of, and that's fine. But then you're relying on a person. So we can have a great president or a great mayor come in and do wonderful things, but it's only for their term. I'm worried about locking things in so sure. that it doesn't matter who's in charge. Yeah, no, I like your idea. I'm just pushing back on the cynical nature of like, hey, this is just so they can get ahead. Fuck the everybody, quash them underfoot. I'm not sure if there was that, evidence to the contrary. Yeah. I would lean to. I think your point is valid, but I have no evidence of that. Okay, that's fair. So, would you think that while you were chief of police, something like Laquan McDonald could happen? Of course. Okay. What would you? What would your be your reaction if if uh, let's say the you're it's you know six months in and and another kid is walking away from police officers with a knife in his hand and gets shot? What is it? Fourteen times. You, you have to be honest. Yeah. So you have to say like, look, this is obviously a tragedy. We obviously fucked up. And we obviously have to fix this and ensure that it never happens again. And we're going to give every bit of evidence for everybody to see to make sure you hold me accountable for not fucking this up again. So body cameras is a thing that you're for, for sure? Uh, they're a piece. Everything's a piece. So body cameras, there, there was an incident in, in Florida that I saw where if you looked at the body cameras, the police story looked fine. But then come to find out there was a camera somewhere else and that different angle proved that everything the cops said was a complete lie. So they're, they're just a picture from that sure. limited sure. window. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. So I want to talk a little bit about – I want to shift gears a little bit. So recently in Dallas, uh, there was five police officers shot from uh, the parking garage down there. Uh, a, a person shot them and then uh, they sent in what we're calling the Boomba. Okay? It is a robot – explosive device that explodinates the the guy who's the the person I just made it up okay, I'm, that's I, a technical demolition yeah that's it you don't know you don't know because you're not on the demo team but explodinates is no, what, what does they this guy know about explodination yeah, exactly. there was an 0351 so, assault man <laughs> and trained in demolitions in the Marine Corps so, but that's like, so I don't know what any of that yeah, means so I'm just assume he's lying but in any case that seems like what we do so they blew this fucking dude up what do you think about them blowing that guy. No, we got some pushback. We got some pushback. We did. We got and a lot of pushback. And all we did was say... I feel weird about it. I feel real weird about them blowing that guy <laughs> up. I feel real weird about it. Now, I'm actually a little farther than Tom. I knew, when, when they said, and this is their story, right? We don't know what was said. All we are hearing is what the police tell us. And the police are saying... The dude said he had bombs. The dude said he had he had explosive devices planted and he was going to blow them up. We had to act in order to prevent more damage to more human life. And it was not just going to be police officers. If it's an explosive device, explosive device can't differentiate between a fucking cop and not a cop. It will blow up some shit and fuck some shit up. So they blew him up. They killed him with this explosive device. Um and Tom and I both super feel super this. weird about it. I, we, we sort of uh, likened it to lighting a house on fire if there was a fugitive inside. What do you think about the Boomba? What's your take on that? Well, let's remember that they also bombed a house in Philadelphia. Uh, Wait, tell me about that. Yeah, I want to hear about this. So the Move I, movement yeah. in like 67 or something like that. Look it up. The Move bombing in Philadelphia. 
and they literally from a helicopter dropped a bomb. <laughs> Are you oh, fucking shit. kidding me? What is this Syria? What Black, the fuck? Because it was Black Panthers. No shit. Right. Oh, my God. So so this isn't the f- like like I know this is the first time you use a, ro- a robot. <laughs> like that's not like, pretend it's the first time that police yeah. have used a bomb on somebody. But since I, I, mean, I actually thought it was, so <laughs> I'll put my hand up there and be like, I did not know that we bombed our citizens. I didn't know that we threw like a bomb at somebody. Yeah, you're not going to learn about that in school because that was a black tragedy. Is that is that the only experience, the only instance, other instance you know of explosions being used? That, yeah, that's the only one I know. Yeah. But I got to be honest. So like, I I know your audience is much more receptive to this, and I'm not laid back on a lot of things. But I I got to tell you, like when I first heard it, I was like, that was fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> so we could talk about what the problems were, but I I think if if, if it's done, I I don't want to demonize that idea because in a specific circumstance. I think that could be applicable. Um, in this one, it's super questionable. But, okay, we don't give the police fragmentation grenades, right? Like, the police don't have – they have, like, flashbang grenades and what have you, and they have tear gas, and they have other options. But and, – and we have militarized our police to the point of near absurdity. And yet we have stopped short of things like fragmentation grenades. And, you know, I, I – RPGs could, or – yeah. Right. Because there, there's like that's kind of leveling shit up. Like that's that's part of the part of the issue I have. I have a lot of issues with the boom, actually. But but part of the issue is like when we start talking about the use of explosive ordnance against civilian life, like these are our citizens, regardless of how awful of a citizen they are. There, there's like there's a leveling up of the militarization of the police and the violence escalation that's there that I'm just deeply, deeply uncomfortable with, and I can't express it other than. Ah! You know, in terms of being yeah, deeply exactly. uncomfortable exactly, with it, yeah. but I am, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about something like that, about the militarization, about the leveling up of violence. Well, the, the militarization is is an obvious problem, but I think we shouldn't be too surprised by it. it, it it's our culture, like so. Policing isn't about, uh, like we said earlier, like figuring out why did that kid go shoot somebody. It's about finding the bigger force. So we're all, this is the cycle we're on. We know this is going to continue. So as long as nothing happens, yeah, th- so you had the move bombing in Philadelphia that we were talking about where you think, oh, well, we don't have an RPG. Well, they dropped a fucking bomb out of a helicopter <laughs> on a townhouse. <laughs> like I, I, an RPG would, is probably lesser than <laughs> dropping a bomb out of a fucking Where helicopter. would they even get it? That's the other thing. Like I didn't even know they had it. Like do they have to scrounge around? Like what, what, who's EOD, got bombs? Anyone well, got EOD's bombs? always going to have that because you want to explode in place oh i see got it yeah okay. <laughs> they, they blow up they blow right. up shit to blow it up right, right? no no, no. They, yeah they blow that makes it sense. To and that's what they use in this case too i think they just yeah uh, they just, yeah that was a weird way of putting it just, but yeah they yeah. exploded in place a threat <laughs> but i i never would have worded it that way <laughs> um like so my problem is is like if they say he has a bomb and he could have bombed somebody it, this is what we're doing right now is we're taking threats as being real imminent threats that that they're actually substantial so they'll think oh well i thought i saw a gun and and, and for instance in afghanistan a a marine would need to be shot at or see an actual gun that's pointed at them to even do anything but legally in america all you have to do is be afraid and the cop can do whatever they want so all they need is fear and if you don't interrupt that that cycle then this is what's going to happen because the 
if we have a Second Amendment and people are going are able to have equipment equal to the military uh, or the the government because that's what it's for. So you need mil- equipment that's at least equal. Well, that cycle now is just going to keep going. So the police get more equipment, well, the citizens get more equipment, the peace get more equipment, and citizens get more equipment, and you're just going down an illogical cycle. So we shouldn't be surprised. Let, let me let me ask you a question about something you said a moment ago. Take it back a half a step. You you said something about. You know, the police or policing rather is not about finding out why people, you know, why did somebody commit this crime? It's about, you know, arresting people. That's that's the goal of the police. Um, is it realistic to have a police force that is also a sociology force? Right. Because that's what you're talking about. You're talking about sociological studies about why people behave in patterns the way that they do. This is this is an examination of human nature, group behavior things along those lines, is that the job of policing? Should that be the job of policing? And do we need to have differentiation between those sort of epidemiological studies about why people do what they do in, in large groups versus people who go out and tase the fuck out of somebody, bro? Like, do we need both? We do need both. Um, one of the things that I want to do, uh, like, people think I'm, I'm some soft lefty, and it's like, it's, I think it's, that. It's, you, <laughs> seem, you seem like a, yeah. as you sit in front of I me, wanna right say, now. I want to say emphasis on the soft. Right. Yeah. So it's like, look, there, are to- there, there comes a time where you need a shit kicker, right? I've been that guy my whole life. I love being that guy. It's fun. It's a it's good fun. Thrill. Say it because you were gonna say it. Yeah, it's fucking it's fun. fun. It's All right, fun. It's fun. All right. So, but the problem this is, this is the tape. Okay, guys, that you're gonna try to go after him. Cut here. Right. Okay. At Cut it. right here. Yeah. Mike says he likes beating people up. But, Story it now. <laughs> <laughs> that side of me, which I'll, I'll be honest about, that is a side of me. That sure. aggressive alpha male side should only be used in those particular circumstances. They're not to be used against you. They're to be used when there is a, a, a shooting going on or when you need to do, serve a mur- murder warrant. But they're not for fucking traffic warrants. And that's what we're doing now is we're taking that high escalation and bringing it down <clears throat> to the low. And when it comes to sociological, I don't want, I'm not asking the officer to understand what they're doing. What I'm asking is that the detective, instead of investigating exactly what the, the – all right, so if you're a drug cop and you go out and you bust a dealer, right, and he's selling – you catch him selling you know, 50 pills and he, he's dealing heroin all day long. What you do is you figure out the, – the investigation is about figuring out the details of the crime. But the investigation should be about figuring out the details of the crime and convicting a person for the law, but more importantly, about why that person is in that situation, what variables led up to this situation becoming so that we can do things to prevent it from happening to begin with. And I, and, and I'm, I appreciate that idea. I just – from a practical perspective, I'm curious about how, how something like that would be in your mind implemented. So I'm a cop. I go out. There's this guy, he's selling fucking heroin and pills and all this shit. You grab him, you beat the shit out of him a little bit because I know you. You beat the shit out of him a little bit. And he didn't even do anything either. He's fucking, like, yeah. He was just fucking standing there black. You put the pills in his pocket. Anyway, so you beat him up. You throw him in jail. His kids are wailing. His wife is crying. You're a fucking monster. You put that guy in jail, and then and then it's handed off. This is how. And then what happens? It's handed off, and then we say, okay, there's this guy. Let's Let's try to understand what happened here and fix these larger social problems. That's not just the police. Like we're talking about major infrastructure changes to the way that we think about not just policing, but the way that we think about governing ourselves. Yeah, I mean, our government would have to care for people, and I don't know that that's going to work. 
Yeah, well, because we have decided collectively, and that I, I know not. you're laughing. We have decided collectively that we don't care. Right. Like, like that's why we have. It's almost like why do we have two political parties? Well, one side has decided, fuck off, everybody else, <laughs> and the other side's like, maybe we should feed them. I don't yeah. know. You know. So, and, and that's obviously gross and horrifying oversimplification. But still, we're having real debates about whether or not we should take care of other people. Like that's a real thing. So I, I'm curious how you would see something like that implemented. Because that's not just the that's not a, that's not a reimagination of the police force. That's a reimagination of the entire system of government, civilian government. I disagree completely. Good. So, yes. um, <laughs> I think fundamentally, our psychology is rooted in our uh, tribal mentality that comes from being a bunch of apes wandering around. That we only associate ourselves with about 150 people. So our problem is, is we see everybody beyond that 150 as them's. But if we have the civilian review board in charge of the agency, then you won't see his son as being a them. And you won't make laws and procedures and policies that would treat his son that way. But the police don't make the laws. Right. The police, they, they, they love to say that. They love to say we don't, we don't make the laws. We just enforce them. But well, that's coincidental that you never give any of your friends any tickets or you never arrest anybody. So, <laughs> but that, but but that's can, selective enforcement. They can enforcement, judiciously that's, decide which yeah, ones they, they can right. legally. And that's the point is we that do is have discretion. That is true, right? They do have right? discretion. We have complete discretion to exercise any law. So if a, a sheriff says he doesn't want to go and arrest people for having, gun, uh, having you know, weed in their pocket. So, I mean, Colorado did that as a state. They told the federal, federal government, fuck you. We're not doing it. We can do that at every single level. It's just that it's easy to see some poor black kid on the south side as being a them. But if you were writing a law that was going to be universally applied, you would stop. You would see Cecil's son as being one of you. And as long as those laws were applied to that kid in the south side, everything would be fine. What changed your mind about all this? Because clearly, like, like you're you're a guy who likes to like punch people in the face a lot, and like you know, you you, you were saying earlier that you're really, you're you you love the excitement of being. On I a had no force. sustained uses of force. I would okay, like to. just <laughs> I, let me just say, the use of force is so fast yeah. and violent also, that he doesn't have to sustain it. Also, that person is still unconscious. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you're still unconscious that long, you're dead. Like that just. <laughs> That's, what, that's actually called death. No, but uh, you, you were saying that you really did enjoy the excitement of being on the police. Oh, yeah. You enjoyed it, right? I and still you, do. I mean, I also, still long for it. And you also, you also said that you were a Republican before. You were that's a Republican until very recently. Can't you just beat somebody up and not be a what, Republican? What changed? No. What changed? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they could. Yeah, like, oh, okay. What changed your mind? Like, was there a moment, like a, like a one, like, blinding flash, Saul fell off his horse and immediately blamed in Jesus, or was it something there, else? There was an emotional one. But educationally, um, I, I did a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And in, in that, they're still like, they're pushing all these ideas, like evidence-based policing, where you look at who's been arrested, and then you profile and look at those people. But I know that I'm just targeting those people. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> that's right? how that cycle works, right? right? You're just like, so, wait a minute. <laughs> if all we're doing... <laughs> That's amazing. That's the most circular fucking logic ever. Here, guys, here's the evidence. First of all, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to target 
poor black people. Then we're going to look at how many poor black people we've arrested yeah. and then target more poor black people. Okay, that's literally the police that's model. That's fucking amazing. So, and this has that's been amazing. That's amazing. This has been from the beginning. So American policing started as slave catching and protecting property. And you'll still see that now when Baltimore had an uprising, everyone is bitching about the CVS burning. So everyone's worried about property, but they're not worried about Freddie Gray's death. So we still have that idea where the police, because this evolution has just continued, the police still are an organization that protects property and rich people things at the expense of people like Freddie Gray. And, and there's no reason to believe that this has stopped and we still see the evidence of it. And we've never done anything different from that. I was a shift commander in the Eastern District. And this is why I mean, I feel terrible about it. But I have those ideas in my head. And I said, I would yell at people like to stop doing bullshit enforcement, right? It's like, and bullshit enforcement is what they actually saw, right? What do you mean? <laughs> Explain bullshit so, enforcement. So, like, say you, if I were to drive past an officer in West Baltimore and I saw he had a pretty little white girl pulled over and was like checking her car, <laughs> I would have been like, get the fuck back in your car, go down there and let this girl go, right? But statistically, just as likely to have those drugs on her as that black kid is. So what I said... I'm going to pull over pretty white girls. I'm just saying, I'm joining the force, and here it comes. It's the only way they'll talk to you. I I need all the help I can get. The stun gun is my fucking... That's my my first move. You ride on it roofing on the side. This is the biggest baton I ever carried. Uh, (laughs) I snap this out. It gets hard like that. (laughs) Uh, I think we're making a Marine a little uncomfortable. That's awesome. He's blushing. That's something. All right. (laughs) He's trying to get on track. (laughs) We've got a serious person. (laughs) (laughs) Which was my concern when I walked through the door. Cut that shit out. Uh. All right. All right. All right. So if <laughs> that's the policing model, and I told my officers, look, who's doing the crime out there? Black males between the ages of 16 and 24. We know this. And what do we know this off of? Who do we arrest and who's in jail and who has committed these crimes? But we set this stage because that's who we look at. And if we base that opinion based off who we look at, it doesn't matter what we were looking at. That's who we would keep going. So like these ideas of evidence-led policing, they're throughout criminology. And people think these things are legitimate, but their ideology is no different than religion. And, and they, they're based on no facts. Okay, so you're saying that the evidence uh, – I'm going to summarize here. And I'm being, the I'm evidence being, I'm, that we created. Right. No, no, no. Trick, I, I got right? you. I got you. I got you. So you're saying that the evidence that's used in evidence-based policing is skewed because it uses kind of a circular logic. So how do you come to that conclusion, right? So, so these criminologists, I'm going, to assume, I'm going to assume the best out of some people just for the sake of argument. I imagine that there are people who you know, are statisticians and criminologists, and they are, they are using what they think is the, is the best set of data points that they can to come up with these ideas. You're coming up with a totally different set of ideas and saying you know, they're using bad evidence, right? Their evidence is circular. How do you arrive at that conclusion in a scientific or, or quasi-scientific fashion that draws you to such a different you know, worldview than what's being espoused? Well, how do I say that without being an arrogant motherfucker? Be an arrogant I'm motherfucker. A- <laughs> I'm that guy all the time. Yeah. It's I, gotten me this far. I'm not a fucking robot. Right? Sure. I, I think for myself. <clears throat> and I saw what I was doing. So 
The, this experience. was my life. I was a major case narcotics detective, and maybe the first time I started realizing what we were doing and seeing the us versus them is I would spend 16, 17, 18 hours in a van or in a vacant watching the same group of drug dealers. But to be there, I had to be there earlier than them and stay later than them so I could get in and out with anybody seeing me. And they don't do banker's hours. Right. They don't. Well, I mean, uh, they kind are, are they of kind do. Of nine to five? <laughs> are they really? They're, they're earlier than nine to five. They're like six to two. Really? Yeah, drug dealing is done in the, the morning. Who the fuck is getting up at 5.30 right. to get high? So crime is done in the evening to retaliate against some of the things that happened in the morning during the drug dealing. Um, so, fucking early bird, man. Right. Well, hey, the idea, a, drug wor- a drug dealer works fucking hard, and they probably have the most dangerous job in the entire world. So like, let's dispel the notion that these motherfuckers are lazy. They're not lazy. I can't think of a job that's more difficult than being a drug dealer in the hood. So as a major case narcotics detective, being there early, I, what I saw was the complete picture. Um, I, I saw the, the mom coming out and going to work. I saw the, the, that the, the dealer would wait until his little brother got on the bus before he would open up shop. And he would open up shop and he would sell things. But then he'd shut down shop if a kid came down. Or he'd go get his brother, bring his brother in, take care of him, come back, and then come back out and open the shop. And then maybe after the shop got shut down and the parents got back home, they would, they would do a cookout. And I would hear everything. I would smell the food and I would hear the sounds. And it was just immediately like, I don't belong here. I, I'm an enemy. Uh, I'm, this is a... I understand why this has taken place. These aren't evil people. And, and what my job here is, is to imprison them and take them off. So, so my job is this kid that took his, his little brother to the bus stop every day and fed him. My job is to make sure that that little kid has nobody to take him to that bus stop anymore. And, and, and I don't know. Yeah. I started to fall from that, sure, I, I sure. think. And, and then we all bitch about our bosses, right? Like, who is this idiot? So I wanted to do better than them. I thought it was hypocrisy if I bitched about my boss but didn't seek to attain his position and do better. So I, I tried to learn, and, and when I realized there was no management skill, I went and started getting a master's and learning about, about management, and you realize that all the metrics and all the sentences are all fucked up, and, and, and you're like, okay, this is all wrong, so what happens? And then my emotional break happened, and that was the killing of Tamir Rice. And when I watched that video, which still rings in my head of Tamir Rice being murdered. If people don't know what that is, talk about it real quick. Right, so Tamir Rice was a 12-year-old. 12-year-old boy. Just think about that. And he's shooting a BB gun in a playground. A playground where a boy should be – is where a child should be safe, sure, right? Sure. They go to a playground. And this was a couple years ago, right? Sure. It's about two yeah. years ago, maybe yeah. a year and a half. And he, he's out there playing with the BB gun. Somebody calls and says there's a kid with a BB gun. And the cops just roll up while the BB gun is still in his pocket. Yep. And they fucking murder him. And that's like, – I understand – shit happens in in life but then the police department and the mayor and the state's attorney all proceed to say everything was fine and cover this up in a situation that has no justification whatsoever and i was like fuck fuck like i don't know how to deal with this my daughter was like 11 at the time maybe 10 and i'm i'm picturing her like in this situation sure, like, yeah. what the fuck like i don't I, I can't wrap my head around this and then freddie gray was killed and it was my department and my agency and all my friends and people that I knew saying the same thing that it was okay to put a grown man in a box for no fucking reason and pull him out dead and fuck it. No one's responsible. 
And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Like, whatever allegiance I had to you motherfuckers, it's over. This, this is, we're going to admit everything and we're going to put everything out there that we possibly can because if we don't fix this, we are the bad guys. If we're to protect and we're to serve and we're to be serving our constitution, this is what we should, we should be focused on protecting Tamir and make sure something like Tamir never fucking happens again, not trying to find some way to justify it. Yeah, we were talking about that video yeah. just you know before you got in here. We were talking yeah. about that. And I, I that that is a video that what surprised me most about that is that it didn't cause more controversy. It you felt know. it felt really flat. It felt like there wasn't a lot of controversy about it at all. There was it didn't feel like I'm now I'm not where he was. I think it was Ohio where he was killed. It was in Cleveland. Was in Cleveland? I, I, that's one of the reasons I just left yeah. Cleveland is I went to Cuddle Park where he was killed and I wanted to see it myself. And if there were a hundred options they did the one option that led to killing Tamir, and it had to be fucking just. I, I don't. I don't. I can't possibly imagine what was going through their heads. But there is so much cover, so much concealment that you could have handled that situation safely and in some other manner. The, the, after they killed him, they didn't give him any CPR. The, his sister came over crying, trying to help him. They put her in handcuffs and put her in the back of the car while she w- sat there and watched her fucking brother bleed out Jesus while the Christ. cops didn't do a fucking thing. And like I was, I, I'm still obviously filled with fucking rage. And, well, and, and, and I have to fucking fix that. Yeah. Well, I, and when you watch that video, I've watched that video, and, and you watch it, you put a timer to that video. It's like a one and a half seconds. 1.7 from, seconds. Yeah, from, from the time that they pull up to the time that they, they shoot, shoot that him. kid. There was, no, there was no opportunity. They didn't Understand, give that kid. He's a kid, or he's a legally, possibly legally carrying adult. Right. It, That's your only scenarios. They say he looks too old, well, then you don't know that that gun's illegal. Right. Well, he's 12? Then what the fuck are you doing? It, it was unbelievable. They, they roll up and just boom. They just they just fucking shoot that dude. And it's like, there's fucking a hundred other options. And I'm not a cop. But Literally. Like, like, if you go crazy. there, there's a hundred other options. That was nuts. That so, shit was nuts. But it didn't, it didn't elicit a lot of response. Really I was didn't. very surprised yeah. by that. It was lukewarm at best. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're reserved to it. Yeah. Like we've accepted it. Because it's not – like the bottom line is if it was my pretty little white girl daughter – in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania, that was killed, that yeah. would, everybody would fucking care. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just unacceptable. We're talking about, you know, you just mentioned illegally carrying. He, he's either illegally carrying or he was, or he was you know, a, a, a kid, right? Those are the two options. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about legally carrying here because we did a concealed carry class. Tom and I just recently, a couple weeks ago, we went and did this concealed carry class. Now, the state mandates 16 hours worth of training for everybody who wants to get a concealed carry license in Illinois. The class, at best, was five and a half hours long. That's at best. Um, it was basically the NRA safety class, point the fucking gun to the ground. I mean, it was really just point the gun at the ground. That was, that was, I think what I learned the most was make sure you're not pointing the gun at other people, which I, I think I knew already. Yeah. Um, the explodey end, yeah, don't point don't it towards point, something you don't want point not to have else. a hole in it. And then uh, the next day, they took us to the range, and we thought we were going to have eight hours of range time because it was split up into two days. And we thought, well, at least he's going to teach us some things today because what we learned yesterday was just you know making sure the gun didn't shoot anybody. Yeah, we played with flashlights. Yeah, we played with uh, laser pointer flashlights. And so here we are (laughs) the next day, and we go in, and the guy's like, okay, why don't you put a few rounds through your gun, point point it at this little silhouette. I shot a few times, and I, admittedly, this is my third time shooting the gun. I didn't. I just bought it very recently. And I didn't feel I was that great with it, but he's like, oh, you're doing really well. Why don't you just try to take the test? So I immediately took the test. I scored 100% on the test, and then I was it. That was it, 30 minutes of range time. And now 
in two months, I will get a license in the mail. This this will come in the mail. I will have a concealed carry license in Illinois, and I will be able to carry a loaded firearm everywhere in the state, you know, except for prohibited places. And I don't feel – one, I don't feel safe myself carrying because I didn't learn anything. But then secondly, I also don't feel any safer knowing all the other yokels, yokels that were in the class. I'm actually terrified of them too. <laughs> what do you think about concealed carry? And what do you think – if you think concealed carry is a thing, what kind of level of training should people have? Well, what's really interesting is that you're complaining about that. But So my wife has a concealed permit from Pennsylvania. Right. And it involved going to the sheriff's office <laughs> – Having her picture taken, <laughs> signing a document, coming back on Monday, no and shit. picking up the carry permit. Fucking, no we got an email from a dude in Idaho. It's like, step one, buy a gun. Yep. Step two, conceal it. Yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Right. Like, I mean, you, could, you could put it in your belts at the place that you just right. bought it. To be entirely fair, though, it's Idaho, yeah. and you could spin around shooting it in a circle. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anybody. Anybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, oh, that potato has uh, no, a hole in it. No, no, it's so yeah. obvious. It's, it's a terrible joke because yeah, it was obviously covered. Quick, quick correction, though. You wouldn't <laughs> <Thank> hit. You. <laughs> quick correction, though, Tom. You wouldn't hit anybody that mattered. That's the, that's, I so. bet I could shoot a bullet over these mountains. <laughs> anyway, so so clearly concealed carry. In, and we heard about Pennsylvania, too. People had sent us messages and said, in Pennsylvania, you should see it. All you have to need is a thing. What do you think about concealed carry training and that sort of thing? So my ultimate problem is, is for one, you're talking about proficiency. Proficiency doesn't have anything to do with your ability to handle weapon in, in a, a high-intense environment. Uh, so, so the, I don't know. They don't even like matter. My, my problem is that if people have guns, whether it's concealed or it's open, you think you're concealed. You're not fucking concealed. I can tell you have a weapon. I've been trained to know you have a weapon. And you think you're cool with your with your Glock square sticking out of the side of your pants. Well, when I see that square, I know it's a gun. And my problem is there is that anybody can learn that. And that means I can take that gun at any point in time. If I want to rob, I, I, and I said that on Rogan and people were like, oh, bullshit. So I was like, all right. So I took a picture that I, I put on, on Twitter because there was a, uh, an uh, off-duty cop. Well, I'm assuming he's a cop because he has a stupid uh, shirt on, kind of announcing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm getting that shirt that says, I am a cop. It, they, they do things that pretty much say that in all actuality. <laughs> and, and so I could see the outline of his gun. So I sit there and I just took a fucking picture of him. He was unaware I was taking a picture. And he was like, so you think I can't get this gun? This, this motherfucker doesn't even know I'm standing next to him taking a picture of his gun hanging yeah, out? Right. Right. So and he was it was concealed. It's just right. You can see it. So the th- you, he was a danger having that gun there. I need right. a, people to understand that. I didn't need to have a gun to rob Home Depot that day. An off-duty cop brought it for me. So that's my problem with concealed weapons. So do you think that there's any amount of training that anybody can have to be safe of the gun <sighs> in the environment? I'm getting super worried about this in reality because I think I'm getting to the point where I think you have to operate without fear to be able to handle a weapon properly in a, in a high-intense environment. And the concern is I think fear might be uh, DNA-related and, and the ability to – you might be, bo- must, might be born with the ability to not be fearful in those moments, mm. which would mean that cops would have some genetic predisposition that you would be looking for. So it can't be, you, really you don't weird. feel like it's a training issue necessarily. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the biggest issue – you can train anybody to do anything. The problem is, is when the shit hits the fan. 
And what happens? How do people react when the shit hits the fan? Everybody thinks they know how they were going to react, and they're fucking full of shit. No, I know. I know. I know too. No, I know. I know too. I know with dead certainty. I'm going to run as fast as I can away from the danger. That would be your best bet of surviving. If I can, if I can, I will throw the gun in the general direction of the bad guy and hope it hits him. Yeah. As I'm running, because I will throw yeah. it backwards. Yeah. I will throw. I'll be like, "It sucks. I gotta go." Yeah, yeah. I am no threat yeah. to you. <laughs> so I started to realize. I went in the Marine Corps at 17, and I started to realize that there, I wasn't afraid either. And so I just wasn't afraid. Period. Nobody trained me to not be afraid, and I really think that that's why I don't have those use of force complaints. That's why I didn't shoot anybody is because I was never afraid of the streets at any point in time. And, and that's not a decision I can consciously make. It's, it's probably that I'm like slightly autistic and can't feel my emotional range fully. So, <laughs> so, okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I like to summarize things because I think sometimes you really encapsulate. Yeah. Yeah. So the best cops, Rain Man. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. How many arrests? 122 arrests. 122 arrests. Is he driving the car? I'm a very good driver. I'm a very good, I'm a very good police driver. Very good high-speed chaser. <laughs> he would remember everything for the would, report. Right? Absolutely. It would be detailed yeah. as fuck. It would take a really long time to fill it out. It but it would be detailed yeah. as fuck. And he'd be courteous to everybody. This <laughs> <laughs> uniform is so well-pressed. Right, right, right. <laughs> Look at that. It got it at Kmart. Now, so, so, people, so the people who haven't heard you on Rogan, one of the things that you said on Rogan that I thought was really uh, – pretty insightful was uh talking about uh guns and us uh the the amount of guns that we have in this country and how if we were going to institute any kind of gun control the first measure that you said you would institute is you would shut down all the manufacturers of guns how does that work and what does that do for uh for gun control in our country well i mean really all somebody has to do is say no you can't manufacture guns in the united states anymore it's, it's really really easy the president can make the decision and just write an executive order and if you're done you can't make guns in the usa anymore um like so the reason i come to that is i'm i know i know i know i'm a lefty blah 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 sure yeah but the show is called cognitive <laughs> dissonance so you can have a little I, i'm a, I, i'm a, i'm a scientist and I'm looking for managerial issues of incentives and disincentives, how we stop things. So what do we – everybody's always complaining that the guns saturate. All right. Yeah, the guns do saturate. But don't continue the saturation. So we have to stop doing things that are harmful, that we know are harmful. Even if we can't agree on how we're going to solve them, let's just fucking hit the brakes, just like the drug war. Like, I, I don't know what legalization should be. I don't know how you want to do it. But we have to fucking stop locking people up for it. I can tell you that much. So it's just a matter of hitting the brakes. And so if you say, all right, so if we cut down supply, then what happens? Demand goes up. And what happens when demand goes up? Cost goes up. And if cost goes up, well, we're going to keep the guns in the hands of the rich because even a drug dealer, once that gun is worth $2,000, fuck selling guns. I mean, sucks selling drugs. I can sell these fucking guns to rich people. That's exactly what we said when we were talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. So then, like, yeah, you can have this argument about, yeah, then only the rich people will have guns. Okay. So the rich people have guns for the next 200 years, 100 years, but they're going to, they have a lifespan. 
And you can take care of them, and they'll last a long time. But if we don't want to confiscate, I'm not here to confiscate your fucking guns. I'm not advocating to confiscate your guns. I'm just advocating to stop being dumb. And saturating our world with guns is fucking dumb. That's why guns are kill. That's why cops are killing people. Cops kill people because they're afraid they have guns, not right. because they're afraid they have a big dick. Yeah. So, so if we stop that fear, then we stop the fucking cycle of everyone being a fucking afraid of everything. Well, the the amount of uh, of police that kill civilians in our country is through the fucking roof in comparison to other countries every yeah every other country and, and, by a wide margin. by a wide wide margin and and right. and very recently uh they just started keeping numbers for this right no not, no 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 and it's not no. they it's, never kept well, it's numbers. not it's not fbi or anything else it's it's the it's, telegraph like, right? like the guardian it's, it's the, the guardian. guardian started it yeah and then other the other, other two papers, i think two other yeah, other yeah. papers are now keeping track of how many there are there's also some websites out there that are starting to keep track of these numbers but these were not numbers that people decided to keep and and the amount of it's it's we're, we're talking thousand a thousand per and it's against like like twenty five in other yeah, when places. we looked in like Britain and, Britain had and two it, it was like it was like there's a couple of them when you look at Japan it's like there's none and no, it's when a, was the last time Japan ever shot and killed somebody yeah. right well, but that's the, but the you know what what that says is that this is not a human nature issue right this is a cultural issue and the, and culture of guns there that's was what I mean. recent, there was that's what I mean. a mass murder in Japan though. A stabbing murder. Yeah, oh, but yeah, who did they bunch, stab? And a, and a oh, bunch disabled of, people. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> You're like they killed 17 disabled people. Like that guy's obviously a complete asshole. But let's not under. Let's be really. He, he, he killed 17 or injured 17 disabled people with a knife. And it, so that was one thing. Yeah, I mean that may happen, but that's still 17 yeah. is their and, number. And right, and it's and it's a long like a, it's been a long time since the last right. like major. But that's okay. I mean that happens. If yeah. we had an argument about, oh look, America has 200 knife deaths a year. Okay, we got 30 fucking some thousand gun deaths. I'm way more comfortable with a thousand knife deaths <laughs> and, and I'm way more comfortable with any of our ability to stop a knife death than right. I am like like let's be honest. If we're all here in this room, if I have a knife you guys are – one of you is going to survive at least, right? Not if I me. have a gun – If I'm I have a gun, horribly. you're – I'm throwing you at him. <laughs> OK. That's fair. That's all I'm going to do. If I was armed right now, both of you would be in a less safe position. That's and true. And neither one of you could honestly do shit about it. Yeah. So is that the world we want to live in? Because – Well, what about – hold on a minute. What about if – so if you're armed – but then in response, I get a much larger gun, mm -hmm. and then Cecil gets a larger gun, but then you know that that's going to happen, so you actually bring a successively larger series of guns. <laughs> that's actually what we're doing! Then I'm going to get a bomb, and <laughs> right. I'm going to bring in a robot, and I'm going to blow your fucking ass up. <laughs> fucking Boomba. It's, it's like the guy in our concealed carry class, and I'm bringing this around. It's like the guy in our concealed carry class. He's so afraid, right? What a gun, a gun, I, and, I, and this, was, this was my pushback when we first started talking about, about maybe doing the concealed carry. A gun is a is a fear related item, right? You don't carry a gun because you're not scared. You you have a gun on your hip walking around outside as a regular citizen because you're scared. It's a concession to your fear. Guns make little men feel big. That's that's their fucking that's their thing that they do out on a street in a, a country like America. It's by and large quite safe to walk through. There was a dude in our concealed carry class. Who wanted to know? He's like, how many guns can I carry on myself? Right. Can I have guns? <laughs> this dude wanted to be the fucking Punisher. No right. shit. He, he wanted fucking, like, yeah. It's it's like fucking the Matrix. We're gonna need more guns. There's <laughs> <laughs> fucking closets of guns everywhere that he went because he thinks he's living in a world that is not that is not indicative of the level of violence that we're actually presented with 
on a day-to-day basis, right? On a day-to-day basis, most of us walking around, I've gone 38 years, I've never needed a gun. 38 years of my life, a gun would have not fixed any problem that I've ever encountered. It wouldn't have made anything that I've ever done any better. It only could have made things worse. You know, there's been times where, you know, remember you, you and I, when we were teenagers, you know, I got in yeah, fist fights, yeah, you got yeah, in fist sure. fights. Like, it's a, can you imagine getting in a fight and, you know, you're rolling around and some dude's got a gun? Like, now it's a totally different ball game, right? That gun is not indicative of the level of violence most of us will ever experience in our lives. All it's going to do is escalate that shit. Totally. And let me tell you my breakdown when I realized I stopped carrying a gun because I would bitch about it. Like, because it's annoying. I don't know why anybody wants to carry one. It's fucking heavy and it's on your side. You got to wear certain clothes and make sure it hides. But I, what I realized was I'm carrying this gun because society has decided that I have some fucking responsibility to shoot that guy before he shoots you. And that's bullshit. Like, that's not fundamentally logical that I'm going around carrying this fucking gun because we have so many guns that I feel some moral responsibility to carry this goddamn thing so that if somebody decides that he wants to be the dude that has 18 guns on him at fucking Walmart and somebody robs it and he wants to go chase him, that I got to fucking kill that dude before he kills some poor shoplifter or something. Like, that's what kind of society are we where I have literally from the age of 17 this country has told me that there's some fucking honor in training me to kill people. And that's just fucking gross. So we talked about misconduct earlier, but when police officers do wrong, how hard is it for police officers to talk about other police officers doing wrong? How hard is it as a police officer to see somebody do something wrong, to shoot, like, maybe not go as far as to shoot somebody, but to rough somebody up or to, you know, do something that is clearly misconduct? You as a police officer, what happens in your mind? And is there any avenue that those police officers can follow? So, this never even registered to me. Um, you, to me, at the time, you were asking me a question of uh, such and such answer is either A, B, C, or D. And turning in another cop was E. Like, I didn't even see it on the fucking test. I don't even right. know what you're talking about. That's not even an option on my list. Sure. I, I never really thought about it until later on, much later. It's, 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 it's not even a possibility the people that do it, we know what happens to them. Um, I had an officer that that really that worked for me. Uh, he, I was a sergeant when he was a trainee, and he ended up witnessing an event and testifying in court and getting people convicted. And he gets run out of town. He's he's considered this this terrible person, this traitor to policing. He's he got not, run out of town. I mean, literally, they they put there was newspapers articles all about his name's Joe Crystal. He he's. They, they, they were, he's getting intimidated. He, ended, he now works for a police department in uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I mean, uh, Florida, like near the Panhandle. And he's making a fraction of what he made before. His entire life is screwed up. And, and that's all because he did the right thing at one, one moment to, to, to actually stand for justice. So if you do stand for it, you are fucked. And I had never had any intention of fucking myself. So like that that was it's it's not an option until somebody creates a structure for those people to to actually do that. What kind of structure would be needed for us to to move forward with something like that? Because it, one of the things that that the you know we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we talked about it many times. One of the reasons why people minorities are pissed off is they feel like they're being harassed. And, you know, a lot of times when, when we see... I think that's because of the harassment. It, it might be. <laughs> to it be might fair, be, I, might I'm be. pretty sure I explained yeah, how that harassment so, works. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we, we, 
uh, for example, I'll uh, I'll see a, a, a Facebook video gets posted, and what'll happen is is somebody. Uh, uh, this is an example I, I saw recently. There was this black guy walking down in this tunnel somewhere, and the cop wanted to stop him and look for his fucking ticket, like check for his ticket or something. I don't even know if he was like a real cop or whatever. I don't know. And he could have been like a metro cop or, you know, whatever. And he stops the guy. And there's a bunch of people kind of standing around. The guy's like, I'm going to catch my bus. Leave me alone. And there's kind of this argument that breaks up. And the guy doesn't want to show him his ticket. He just wants to go. He's not interested in it. And then finally the fucking cop pulls out a taser and tases the guy. And just tases him while he's on the ground. And what the comments that you see, and this is always the comments that you see, is, well, he should have, he should have just listened from the very beginning. He should have just complied. If he would have just complied and said, yes, sir, no, sir, wouldn't have been an issue. There wouldn't be no problems. And while that may be true, what that doesn't take into account is the fact that maybe this guy gets harassed every single day. Maybe at, at this point, this guy's pissed off because, you know, this is the fifth time I've – I've been harassed. And now, you know, now what do I got to fucking do? I got to add this into the time that I'm going to go to work, right? Because, like, let's say I get pulled over every third day, or, you know, maybe it's not even that much. Maybe it's like every other week, but it's still, it's like I'm late to work. Well, I only left enough time so I could get to fucking work. I didn't fucking say, well, I've got to wait a half an hour for this cop to fucking tear my car apart before he'll let me go and then I'm going to be late to work again. So I'm, I imagine that there's, you know, there's the, the, the level of stress on, on minorities when they get pulled over again and again and again and again because they're being profiled, that's got to wear on people. And I feel like that's one of the major reasons why there's all this pushback. And so, you know, and then when they get pissed off, where do they go? They've got to go to the police to say, hey, you know, this asshole keeps pulling me over and then nothing fucking happens. All right. So we have patriots that say comply or die. They're sitting there. They want to support the Bundys protecting the use of land. <laughs> it's a different BLM. It's the Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a yeah. Nice tie-in. Yeah. That's <laughs> his favorite joke. Yeah, I so love don't it. take it away don't from him. Don't take it away from <laughs> I have very few things. So, so <laughs> like, then, but when it happens to a brown-skinned person, they say, oh, why don't you just follow? Why don't you just submit to your authority? Like, this is America. We don't fucking submit to authority. <laughs> what are you talking about? We had a bunch of British people telling us, or we were British, telling us, oh, we'll fucking do this, do that. And we went, fuck you. We fucking, we went, we threw their tea in the fucking water and said, eat a dick, bitch. Uh, like, it's not happening. That is, exa- but- that is a quote from George Washington. <laughs> it is. Eat a dick, yeah, bitch. He was- said that when he was going over the Potomac. I actually think that's, yeah. it's, it's little known, but if you turn the declaration over... It says on the back, it's, eat yeah. a dick. It should. It's, you know, it's, it's literally it what it means. It's <laughs> know, like, right? tell the government to eat a dick. We the people, eat a dick, bit. No, that's just rude. That's just, that is we just rude. Put nicer. Someone, someone take Franklin away. No, don't give him a pen anymore. He, <laughs> so I'm a that. slave girl. <laughs> Impregnator, <laughs> deny everything that happens. Right. Uh, yeah. Minor so, details. I mean, I see that as just grossly un-American. So you think you think that if a cop pulls you over, you should be able to say, fucking, what the fuck, dude? Well, my advice would be to not even say that. I don't say shit. Like, it's, like my friends always – I tell them, like, if a cop says something to you, like, and most cops will tell you, you don't say shit. Like, never trust a cop. They're only trying to get you in trouble, and that's because they're incentivized sure. to get you in trouble. That's what they're trying to do. That is their job. The only reason they're not doing that is their own goodwill in their own heart because I don't fundamentally believe 
that, that, that cops want to do this. I think there's a small portion that are racist and don't give a fuck, and they want to do it that way. But most cops want to be good. They want a structure. They want to have incentives that allow them to do things. They want to take the time with that kid to make sure he has food and ha- can get to school and has a future. They don't want to just throw him off the bus and lock him up because he doesn't have a ticket. They don't want to do that. But that's the system that we've created from the operating. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're talking about that because I wanted to talk about you know a couple of things a couple of times you talked about it, the the incentives that are in place and so what that tells me is that this this is less of a overarching wise this is less of a grassroots issue on the cop side and and, and more of a top-down issue totally. in terms of the way that this is being you know structured so if i if i were to join the force tomorrow i could not say i'm going to join the force and i want to do good and i want to you know i want to accomplish all of these things because my career is going to just get fucked right over if I do that. I'm not going to – I'm incentivized, as you mentioned, according to your, your, your anecdote. I'm incentivized to behave in a very different way than I might be otherwise inclined ethically to behave. That's, that's what you're describing. So maybe you want to be a homicide detective. I do, very how, much. How would you get there? I would first uh, go back in time. I think I'm too old. But, <laughs> but I would – yeah. But what would you want – so Cecil was going to be a homicide detective. Which He's very sk- much too old. What skills would you want? Fuck <laughs> 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 Homicide detectives are old. Fuck <laughs> you, you dick. You're an asshole. I, you uh, would, I am too old. <laughs> I, I know. I, no, you're not. <laughs> you would name skills, right? But none of those skills would be how many black people you can lock up for selling weed. That would actually be on my resume. <laughs> but that's what ha- that's what happens. No, 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 no. Not how many black guys you bought weed for. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, those are his references. So. <laughs> hey, I got a list of numbers. They're all burners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where to call. It. No, I know where to call. Him. It's fine. So, like, but you already know the answers to really your own questions. Yeah, but I'm giving you an opportunity to talk about it. It's called a softball. You do yeah, this when you're interviewing people. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm saying that so people on the other end of this fucking microphone think to themselves that I'm not actually talking to you, that I'm talking to them. So, fuck. Play along. I think we just... And they'll call me out for not playing along. Did, did we just break the fifth law? Like, what the fuck? That's amazing. We have uh, what clearly is a system that incentivizes... Uh, what you think is the wrong thing, which you, you, you know, which, which doesn't I doesn't matter what I think. What yeah. do you guys think? Well, I, I think, I think if you're just incentivizing, you know, petty drug arrests, I think the war on drugs is a complete failure. Empirically, it's I a think it's an absolute failure. I think it's what we're doing is we're just, we're, we're, we're housing people. We're essentially just housing them because what we're doing is we're taking them off the street and we're just putting them in jail for long, long we're criminalizing. Yeah, them. and 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 we're we're not creating. We're not, the the worst part about our system, and we talked about this many, many, many mm-hmm. times. But the, we have a vengeance based system in our country. We do not have a we do not we don't have a a rehabilitative system. It's not like you go into jail and you come out with a degree. And it's you, certainly not a justice. Yeah, well, <laughs> I said all those things on Rogan. Yeah. Everybody thought I was crazy. For yeah. saying, he said, "Oh well, we got to punish them." We yeah. do. He really, like, he really is. Do we really have yeah. to fucking yeah. punish I them? I don't understand. Yeah, well, you, the, the, you just look at all the other systems in the in the world that are so much better than ours. You know, you look at the, you know look at the, the the Scandinavian countries have an amazing prison system that does not. The recidivism rates are low. They you know they they people come out of there with uh, with hope and degrees and, and and a path to becoming a good citizen. Whereas here, you know, I, I was watching a, a a Louis Thoreau documentary 
where they were showing the, the, the jail. Now, this is not the prison. This is the jail. This is the jail where you go if you're awaiting fucking trial. So you're not even fucking guilty yet. You're just a dude who couldn't afford the bail to get out of jail, right? So you got to wait for your court date. As soon as you walk into this jail, they put you in a room, and the room has 15 to 20 people in the room. You put your fucking mat, and this is all, everybody in this was saying this. Everybody in the entire documentary was saying this was going on, and Louis was fucking blown away. Louis Thoreau was blown away that this was happening. You put your fucking blanket on the lower bunk, and some dude walks up and says, that's my bunk. And then you go to put it on another bunk, and he says, that's my bunk. And you've got to fight. You have to physically fight another human being because they need to know where you sit in the fucking pecking order. Right. So why that happens and why you see that in um, impoverished areas is because we've demonstrated that when males have no ability to achieve or succeed like masculinely in their environment – they resort to physical aggression because it's the only power they have at all. So we, we, we actually know why that happens. We know ways to prevent it, and we know not to do it. But because we have that punishment system, we almost want that person that goes into that, that jail to have to go through moving that bunk and getting punished because we feel like societally we say they deserve it. And, and I don't know. Like, how do we get to – Get to people that that's fucking gross. Well, and then, <laughs> and then the idea too of like you know I mean how many people are upset by prison rape? You know what I mean? There's not there's people who th- more men are raped in this country than women. People need to understand that, and that's purely because of prison rape. That like we have this society where we think, oh my god, we have to stop women from getting raped, and absolutely we do. But we have to understand that more men get raped. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Look, mental note. No prison. <laughs> no prison. No prison. I don't go to prison. Well, I, I'm not even fucking writing people letters that are in prison. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck it's that. Ages. Absolutely not. That's why I'm not even donating to the Innocence Project. <laughs> I want that much distance between me and prison at but this point. What's What's crazy is is that is that we like there's many people who will say you know I hope that guy goes to jail and gets raped like that's like a it's like mm-hmm. a it's a way in which we yeah. we it's another punishment we can stack on and I think the most egregious thing about the jail piece is that that person could be innocent. They're just awaiting trial. So it could be me. I just couldn't afford my fucking bail. Khalif Browder in New York and dies in never committing a crime. He had a fucking backpack that was his. It was suspected of being somebody else's. And he ends up dying in jail because he's there for, for forever. And he didn't do anything. Like th- these things, they're not just speculation. Yeah. They happen. We know that they happen. Right. right. Yeah. We know that. They so, so these are lives. So this whole system is supposed to be to protect life. So how much of this – Get solved by legalizing drugs. First of all, I think eighty percent. I think it's the dude. It's it's yeah. so much of it. Yeah. It's so much. We've talked about, about this Portugal. before. What about Portugal? Right, you, the, le, and legal, that's not even legalization. That's still decriminalization. That's decriminalization right. Well, they 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 put in a, a state uh, a state heroin center where if you want heroin, you could just go get heroin. Mm-hmm. So there's a st- you walk in and some fucking big old nurse sets you on the table and. <laughs> Shoots it in your arm and you just lay there and get real fucking high. Well, everybody does and, that in America. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, we're still not considering that Oxycontin is not heroin, right? It's yeah. totally heroin. It's just, heroin. <laughs> it's just illegal. The, the biggest drug dealers in, in America do it completely legally and then they get everybody hooked and then they be turned to heroin because you can't get oxys anymore. But in any case, the, 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 it's legal there. So you can walk in and just do it. Now, you can't have it outside of there. You can't do it outside of there, but you can totally do it and it's free. It's fucking free. At least from the article I read, it was right. free. So 
But the, the younger generation look at that and they say, well, that was fucking weird. What's with all those old people going there and fucking Gross. that's weird. Right, you got to go to that. the DMV to no get thanks. your fucking heroin. Yeah, I ain't doing that's that. That's the least cool thing possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? Like, that's I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. but that's it. It's that's like exactly it. Yeah. It takes it takes that it takes the cool factor out of it, right? It takes the you know, you know what I think. I mean, uh, to be perfectly blunt, what I think we need to do is we need to legalize. <laughs> he totally threw that pun. I know. Just, I know. Fucking move on. Like it doesn't happen. Go. Puns don't. They don't it's register with Tom. They me. don't register. Yeah. Wordplay, and I don't yeah. go along. Right, so it's okay. like foreplay. I just don't do it. The divorce. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. Nicely done. I'll see you in prison. <laughs> no foreplay there either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of him. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it, legalization is step one, and then to be truth be told, I mean, because that that gets rid of you know, gangs aren't going to have what am, what are you going to fight on the street for territory for? What's the, what's the purpose of it? It defunds the whole, yeah. not the whole, but it defunds much of the criminality that gangs are fighting over. Now people can actually. So you can't ad- pay, you can't pay the foot soldiers anymore. What do well, you pay you, them? And what would you, you pay? Need, why would you even have foot soldiers? Well, but, but we wouldn't you, even but need but them. But if you, if you have not, a gang and like there's a structure, what do you pay them with? You don't pay them with right. anything because they don't have anything to make. They don't have any be, money. Be careful that we have to uh, replace their income. Uh, so you're talking about taking an income source away. It, uh, I, if I were to legalize weed, I would need to, uh, or even if it's just weed in like Chicago, I need to find a way to integrate the drug dealers into the new business, which is going to be super hard to sell. Is, has crime gone up in uh, in Colorado? Colorado is a shining example. Crime has gone down. DUIs have gone down. Juvenile use of marijuana has gone down for the exact same reasons. What about Washington State? Same thing. You're going to see the exact same things that happen because yeah. of the same problem that happens. If your mom, okay, so if you go into my house and I'm smoking a joint, do you think my daughter thinks that's very cool? Of course not. No, You're doing it's not cool at all. So that's that. That's the psychology that happens. And juvenile usage in Colorado has gone down dramatically, and and it does that everywhere that you, that you're talking about for the same reasons as it did in Portugal. Sure. So, but but you know, step two is we need to come up with better drugs. You know, the the problem isn't that, and and, and I really do think this is the case. We need to spend some money. And we need to build high quality, safe designer drugs that are sold legally. You know the the problem they is already got, exist. but we, we got we have all the we have all these laws against them, and we, and we really need to we need to sell them, we need to le- regulate them and sell them because there's no re- we already know people want to get high. But we but know they want the to get best, high. The best thing about cannabis, though, is is that it takes. Okay, so people will do you, you have a chronic pain, and you you have a job, and when you have that job, you get drug tested. And so you can get your Oxycontins, you can get your legal heroin, and that's fine as long as you have your prescription. But then they cut you off for your prescription, so then you turn to heroin. Well, heroin gets out of your system pretty fast, so they stick with heroin, and then you go on this down cycle from being addicted from a pain situation to begin with. But if cannabis was legal, then they would use cannabis instead of the heroin, because, but they can't use it because it will pop on the drug test. And that's what you'll see in areas like Colorado is, is, is the biggest thing that has happened is that the Oxycontin use and, and painkiller use has fucking plummeted because people just turned to cannabis and that doesn't have any health effects. So it's actually harm reduction to do what you're doing. It's not even like being smart. It's like being humane. Sure. It's, it's, so we get rid of massive amounts of the violence problem, mm-hmm. right? We defund... Tremendous amounts of this gang violence. We de we de incentivize just the gang like prohibition. Violence. 
We save a ton of money. Mm-hmm. We save a ton of money. Make money. Gain money. We make yeah. money. Gain we, money. Right. Well, we make money. But so that's a win on both sides of the balance shit, sheet, right? Shit ton of money. Uh, right. Uh, my, my revenue's up. My expenses are down. I don't know why every conservative doesn't love that idea. It's money in the bank. What you think about that? I think, I think though, that there's the, the you know, we're talking about, you know, revenue generation for the, for the city. I think the city is making a ton of money off of the people that are Not nearly as much. No? Because you're costing money. So even um, keeping a kid, somebody in jail is astronomically more expensive than putting them through college. And, but we're focused on the punishment. We're not focused on rehabilitation. So even financially, you would be better off doing it the other way around. Plus the social costs of poverty. Mm-hmm. The social costs of poverty and, and uh, social and, and economic inequality are massive. You know, cities spend tons of money on these revitalization projects, you know, that they try to revitalize urban areas and it goes to shit and the gangs take you – know, and it's this constant yo-yo effect. Money gets shit into these neighborhoods. You know, the, schools are spending tons of money just trying to give kids fucking free lunch and free breakfast and all this because there's no goddamn jobs because these places are fucking war zones. You fix the war zone problem. And you can spend less money fixing the other social issues, the other economic inequality. It's literally on paper, and you can all see it. And and this is all documented and proven. We're we're just stubborn. Like I don't. We're so afraid of change, and we're so afraid of helping. Like like people when they say, "Oh, we're we're college is going to be free." Like, how many people do you hear in their 50s being like, I'm still fucking paying off my college debt. It's not free for me. It's free for your kid and you're fucking bitching? Like, what right. are you talking Everybody is just worried. About, like, I don't know. Like, it's so American in I us. had to go to jail. You should go to jail, yeah, too. It's right? like, like, but it's true. Yeah, it's right. like, it's like, like I worked 100 hours a week, you know, and slept every fourth night. You should do the same. That's terrible. Like, Did you No, love it? you shouldn't have yeah. to do the same thing. Don't right. you care about the next yeah. generation? No, like, they shouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, because you always want to have the follow-up question. Was it great? Right. No. <laughs> Well, why, would, why wouldn't you want to not do it? They get free housing in the hood. I wish I could have free housing. You can. Go fucking move to the hood. I, right? I, I love that argument. I fucking love that argument. We've said that many times. Yep. Be like, yeah, well, you want it. Go get it. It's fucking right there. The thing is, is nobody would trade their safety and security of their middle class income for the government cheese that people get. People say that all the time. They, when you hear the welfare thing, it's like, oh, I wish I didn't have to work and I got paid. You, you can. You can do that right now. But if you do it, understand that your life is not going to be the same life that you have. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. And that people that people don't have a lot of sympathy for people who are on welfare or on you know that are that are in poverty that are on you know housing that 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 get HUD checks and they don't have sympathy for those people. But those people they live a real fucking hard life and people don't understand. And they're struggling with those regressive taxes like we were talking about before. We have to remember that a flat tax is is the same thing. So if if you have a hundred dollars to spend and the next guy has a thousand dollars to spend and you tax people at 15 percent well that's dramatically influencing the person that only has a hundred dollars and doesn't give a fuck all to the person that has a thousand dollars and that's the same thing when it comes to on the street level if your parking ticket is fifty dollars and you get a parking ticket and don't give two shits remember that to the person that's making that 17 to twenty thousand dollars a year a parking ticket is dramatic i mean so everybody wants to oh fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage uh, fuck them leave them at seven seven twenty five so their parking ticket is an entire days worth of yeah, work yeah. and yours was a fucking two hours yeah yeah you know, like you like how right. do you not fucking grasp that yeah. <laughs> yeah. well i think they do grasp it though I, I really do i think that they just don't give a shit right because everybody or not everybody but many people who have 
reached a certain level of financial success. And I run into this personally all the time at like higher levels of management, senior management and executive management is like this all the time. I'll go to these board meetings, I go to these sit meetings and they don't give a shit. They think that they earned everything. Everybody will tell you they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and that, you know, they never had a thing handed to them. And they, you know, everybody's got the same fucking, you know, onward West story, you know, as if they're fucking, you know, self-made men to a, to a goddamn one of them. And nobody that I've met that is actually sitting in those rooms is a self-made man coming out of the hood, right? None of them are self-made guys who were born into a single-family household, you know, where somebody maybe isn't, you know, mom's in jail or dad's in jail, or maybe at some point they're both in jail and they're raised some by a fucking grandparent. asshole locked them up for right? drugs because <laughs> some fucking guy just wanted to beat them up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 a it's a myth. It's a myth. Is the is the whole point? We're telling ourselves these stories because they're part of Americana. They're part of that that culture of the self-made man. Um, and that is doing us a terrible disservice in how we think about building a better society. Yeah. What is the fuck any- are we going to do about it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we're going to lock up all the brown people. Well, we're still the answer. Right we're going we're gonna to make you Chicago's top cop. That's what we're going to well, do. I mean, did, I mean, like you guys paid attention to what happened with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they just basically they, – they, they, they had a guy who ran, <laughs> and then so he got hired, and then they just picked somebody else. Right. right so when the time came, <laughs> I said the three people will be an Uncle Tom, uh, a, a, a female, and uh, – some dude that they don't really consider, like just a throw in. And that's exactly what they did. And they picked the Uncle Tom, who I knew they were going to pick. And I, I'm sorry, maybe he'd be offended that I call him an Uncle Tom. But he, he's a dude that's been in the system his entire life. I'm sorry, brother. You're black or white being a cop, and you've been in the system your whole life. You are no different. Don't let somebody fool you. They are blue for a reason. There's no difference between white or black in the police department to the way they treat the public. Um, internally, you still have racism. And black officers are still treated like shit within oh, an Jesus agency. Jesus Christ. Um, that, that's one of the things that first kicked me off is because I realized how black officers were being punished disproportionately. They were getting pr- promoted disproportionately, uh, kicked out of the, through medical problems disproportionately. And, and I saw that. So oh, I was like, well, the, we have this here w- within our own ranks. The FOP in Baltimore is nothing but an old bunch of white guys lining the walls, all their pictures. Uh, there, there's no minorities. There's, there's nothing. It's just this good old boys club that exists throughout the whole fucking thing and I, so they picked him and uh, the, the the uncle tom that i'm calling i'm so sorry that he's going to be offended by that but whatever he doesn't listen to this i don't think yeah, probably he, he sent us he sent us a message after we talked about the boomba he said he's never listening never, <laughs> never again never again so he had a robot ride it actually so they pick him and emmanuel like freaks out because obviously it's not his guy he wants a puppet so sure, he sure. so he picks his puppet and then the council agrees for his puppet and that council's all, a rubber stamp. You're, oh, yeah. you're all sitting here like, look how bad the shootings are. Look how bad this, sh- the, this shit is. Well, there's your puppet. So blame Emmanuel, top down, as you said. But what's being done? Like, I don't know. Part of me is like, what the fuck are y'all doing in Chicago that you're not stopping this? You're allowing your mayor to say, screw what you guys want. Because I, I, I have a hard time believing. I always say, if I get the room, I'll sell it. You give me a hundred Chicagoans. How do you say that? Chicagoans. Okay, you just say it. Yeah, yeah. Say it again. Chicagoans. Give me a hundred Chicagoans. Then I can convince them without without a doubt that I'm better than any of those candidates because I'm going to serve them, and that's fundamentally the most important thing. So that mayor doesn't give a shit what you think. But the mayor only has a fucking only has to give a shit what we think for about three months every four years, right? right? Well, I 
Why are you saying right? You fought this goddamn concept earlier. Hey, that the mayor that the mayor only has to give a shit. Right. No, that's the thing. Is this not, an oligarchy? I'm, no, no, I'm not fighting a concept. What I'm saying, what I'm what I'm doing no, is you're pushing being up, defensive. I'm pushing back against cynicism. Right, pushing back against cynicism. I didn't even remember that was the argument, but you're right. That was. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so, so as long as Emmanuel is telling. <laughs> Focus, focus. <laughs> he's, tell, he's telling you what policing will be. I voted for fucking Chewy, man. I don't know any of them. I voted for the other guy. So The other Democrat that was going to lose. I voted And for was that probably going to do the same thing, though. Maybe. Yeah, so, but he was called Chewy. Yeah. He, mean, was, he was. He really was. He was running on an education platform. See, the cops. Here's what you, here's what you don't. Well, maybe you do understand. But what, what happens in Chicago is, is that poor people die. And I don't think people can really get motivated by poor people dying. I well, think that I think the reason that you're never going to see any change is because the people who put Emmanuel in power aren't being killed or don't have to worry about their little kid getting dr- uh, caught in a drive-by. That's why we got to stop know? them from fucking getting to work on time by shutting down the street. So so that it does actually affect <laughs> yeah, their right. life. Um and, and that's that's how I really got into Black Lives Matter is because when I started speaking out, I figured I, I'm getting pushed into this argument that's defending essentially East and West Baltimore. So I better know what the fuck I'm talking about. And, and, and I went down and started connecting with everybody to, to really just kind of confirm that I was seeing the world the same way. And, and so they all became close to me and they became my friends. And, and now it, it's not just a Black Lives Matter like rally to me. It, it's that Kwame and Tarek's life matters and 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 i i see them as being that same discrimination or oppression from the policing towards them that no one's going to care if they get killed and like these are my fucking friends that i care about and you're seeing more about with that if you look at a picture of a black lives matter rally it's going to be 50 percent white at minimum so it People are learning. It's just too fucking slow because each slowness means a Laquan McDonald and a, and a Tamir Rice each day as we go on. But don't be fooled that we, we, we are having a, a lot of success. This conversation is evidence of that. What, uh, when you say you do – you get together with these people, is that what you're doing now? Is that what – what are you doing now? So like you're, you're – you're, are you promoting – uh, I mean, like, just tell me what your what, what's your job? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's weird. I feel yeah. like I feel like I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, I, I was fundamentally to begin with going into this, I, I wanted to create a police science that was based upon business metrics because all this science that we're talking about has already been done in the business world because they care about what their outcome is. Sure, sure. absolutely. And, and so everything's there. And what I want to do is translate all those principles into terms and, that policing can understand and lean on. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. That's, that was my fundamental goal was I was going to be this, this professor, this scientist that was just going to take that quiet approach. But then when I came out and got the media attention, I realized that there was a moral imperative. I came out, I came out against police brutality. I did not just come out Let's, no no okay. yeah. so not that there's anything wrong about guys this is why the guys whole, got three I, i'm gonna wives, stop you know what i mean like stop di- i'm gonna stop digging my hole and move on so <laughs> so I, I i then then feel like there's this moral imperative to to start saying something and to be that spokesman 
and, and that just kind of t- has taken foothold. So there's a bunch of stuff on Vice going. I've done a shit ton of TV and, and podcasts and things like that to, to get the word out. I feel like I, I have to, that I, I can't just sit there and do that. But in my idea, I, I'm still the scientist, but as long as people are listening, I, I think nationally the science works the best. But if I can get a city and I can do an actual model, I think the dominoes fall. If you just give me a chance and put in metrics that police really want, one of the biggest surprises is you would think that I would be the enemy of policing. But my inbox is fucking filled with cops around this country and people who want to be cops saying they understand, they want to do this, they want to do it right. They just don't have the ability and they don't have the structure there. I I know that as soon as I put the structure in place, the, the cops don't want to fucking be your enemy. The system makes them your enemy. So as long as I can change the system, those fucking dominoes are going to fall. You know, there was a time in my life, and I don't think I'm that horrible, there was a time in my life I considered being a police officer and I considered doing it because... I felt like my job was meaningless and I wanted to do something that meant something. I had this I had a terrible meaningless job, I still do. And I but I wanted to make a change. I was a younger man, I wanted to make a change, do something that really fundamentally meant something to me every day. I have to think and I fucking just know that there's a ton of people who get into police work because they feel that way too. Now whether they get the shit beat out of them, you know, just by the routine of the job and the incentives for other things and all the rest of it. Um I I I'd like to hear I'd like to hear your thoughts on that in terms of uh, your experience coming into the force and then being in the force for a period of time, that change, if there is a change, and I suspect that there is, um, based on your comments. Um, So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And I'd like to also hear your thoughts on bridging that us versus them gap from a police standpoint to a community standpoint. Because what you were just describing is going down and meeting folks in the Black Lives Matter movement and becoming friends, and that's bridging that us and them gap, right? So I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on both of those subjects. I, I think it's hard for people to do because what I did was I made myself really vulnerable. Um, I, I think com- you seem like kind of a vulnerable guy, you know? Like I get this like this open, vulnerable kind of feel from the no. He's just Stop suckering that. you in so he can kill you. Is That's I'm, what it is. Yeah, touching my leg this whole fucking time. So. <laughs> so for you. <laughs> boners was awkward. <laughs> so, it's not that awkward. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. I knew it was going to be this way. Uh, so, <laughs> you go in as an occupier, and but the goal is to be integrated. And, and that's really where our divide is. And where I realized this is I was doing my degree while I was in the police department. And they stopped funding for the degree program to do tuition reimbursement. And it was a big problem. Eventually, they brought it back and said that, okay, you had to volunteer at rec centers. Um, And I was like, all right, I'll go volunteer at a rec center to get the tuition reimbursement for college. And when I did that, I I went down to the rec center not wanting to do some rec center in the hood. So wait a minute. To get your tuition reimbursed, not only do you have to be a student and be a cop full-time, but then you also have to spend some of your fucking time volunteering? Welcome to my life. That's retarded. So, <laughs> That's just straight <laughs> retarded. So I did that. Who has time for this? I don't know. Well, you, you said I was on my third marriage. So. <laughs> answer your own so question. So the answer is, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for lucky number two. <laughs> so there... Uh, being with the kids and stuff in the rec center, it was another one of those moments where it was like, fuck, yeah, oh God. 
these are just it's it's this is no different because these kids are poor doesn't make them any different and i realized that if that kid that i was at the rec center with was on the corner 10 years from now how dramatically different i would treat this kid sure um so i had that experience for a while and i started taking my daughter down with me when she was a little kid because I, i saw that change in myself and i realized that i needed to teach her that so she wouldn't fall to the same traps that i was in and she went down. We would go down together, hang out with everybody, do everything, have fun, and go back our ways. And now one of those kids from that rec center has called up to me as an adult and be like, hey, you influenced my life as well. I fucking hated all cops. And it was like, that's clear. It's clear that's what it is. We have to be integrators. We have to take off the gun and badge. We have to make ourselves vulnerable because otherwise we're just occupiers and we're not part of the community. I can go in East and West Baltimore now unarmed because they know I'm not a threat. They know I'm a, I, I'm a friend. I'm there to help them. So it, it, it is literally, literally about not going down there to put people in jail. It's about going down there to help. And, 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 and help doesn't mean your idea. It means their idea, what their structure yeah. is. So we do that. We throw money at the city, and then we go, well, what the fuck? We, build you, we built you this bridge, and we built you this resource center. Why aren't you using it? Because they don't need a resource center and a bridge. They need a garden. They need fresh food. Yeah. They need lead poisoning cleaned up, lead poisoning, the strongest correlate to violent crime that we know of. So we have all these different things that we're not addressing because we're so focused on occupying and controlling people like we're like, – like hammers so that's the biggest awakening that it, it, it so like I, say you have a cadet i i want to have a cadet that wants to be a cop i want to make him work in the city unarmed and integrate with people for a year before he gets to be a cop so you can see that there's no reason to be afraid we all have that in our mind we think south chicago is dangerous we think those people are dangerous and they're fucking not. There are people that are struggling because we've taken all the resources away and then said, where the fuck are your bootstraps when we took the bootstraps away? It's interesting. You mentioned uh, the resources when you when you go in and, and sort of tell people what they want. We just had someone on from Foundation Bound Belief and we had a conversation about this. And, and one of the things that grassroots organizations do all the time that many larger organizations don't do, larger organizations like um, – what was the uh, the Red Cross and I think a couple others went into Haiti and they and they they sort of when when Haiti had that big earthquake, they didn't go in and say what do you need. Instead, they went and did stuff right. But there was other grassroots organizations that went in and said what do you need? What is it that you want from us? And uh, and one of the organizations what they wanted was they wanted lights at night because people were getting raped. They were getting on the way to like to the bathroom because you had to go to the bathroom like through these long. And they just wanted lights. They didn't want somebody to come in and like give them clean water or set up a food place or anything. They wanted lights. They just wanted big powered lights. Can you do that? And they're like, fuck yeah, we can do that. We got fucking lights for days. And they <laughs> fucking, fucking lit that fucking place up like a fucking like a like a baseball stadium. And and the rapes went down and all the crime went down that was happening at night, which was where, which was when it was happening. So there's like this feeling that we know what's best for you. We have this big organization that has a lot of money that's a nonprofit. I'm going to come in and make you a community center. Well, what if we don't need it? Yeah. What if, what if we need a so garden? So business like you metrics, said. again, yeah. so if uh, – I don't know how well-versed you are in, in normal business practices, but say you're a business consultant and you want to make a factory more efficient. Do you know who has the best answers to make that factory more efficient? The workers the on the workers, floor. Yeah. 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 Every single time. But we don't trust poor people to make decisions for themselves because there is an overarching narrative in this country that you got poor because you make bad decisions. Sure. And, and that is a story that yeah. America tells 
and loves. We fucking love that story. God You're, bless America. <laughs> but we do. And yeah, it's, no, this it's is true. You it's know, true. like this is a problem of, of how we tell our story of who we are. Which is crazy because Trump is the most uneducated motherfucker I've ever seen. Jesus that dude fucking is Christ. super fucking rich. I mean, like, what is the – I mean <laughs> – You know, that exhale – that is a, a small exhale. That is a small exhale. Oh, look at that. Usually when he does that is when I go, ah, this episode is <laughs> You aren't the only one, my friend. <laughs> what was that dude, that, that Price dude? I, I, I told him, I said, uh, I'm sorry, David. I had to turn that off. <laughs> about five minutes into that bad boy, and I was like, Boom! <laughs> Don't care what that dude has to say. That's okay. Tom Tom falls asleep to David Smalley every week. That's how I started listening to him. I used to sleep. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing. I put the podcast on. It's not even that it's soothing. It's just that I want to die. I want to turn my brain off. <laughs> just kidding, David. I love you. <laughs> so when's your book come out? Uh, I'm not going to do a book. I have You're no not? intention of doing that. Uh, None. I feel like it would be very exploitative. Um, well, that's how you make money. I mean, I yeah, think we exploit yeah, people we for money. Recognize this? I don't understand. The city of Baltimore is assisting in paying my pension. Okay, and that's sufficient to me um, for what I've received from the community. One of my big projects right now is I just finished collecting uh, five thousand dollars to build a studio. So we're doing a thing way fancier than this bullshit here. <laughs> Um, but so the idea <laughs> of fucking root, you have just disinvited yourself a second time. Right? Sir. Wow. <laughs> wow. That little fucking blue box is $5,000. <laughs> you insulted Tom. That He's takes a, bad a lot. Purchaser. <laughs> they said it was magic. Yeah. There's beans in there. <laughs> there was three beans in there. They will grow. There's a lot of lights on it. I will <laughs> just, say that. It makes a lot of, man, your biggest fucking guest you've had on yet. You're not big league. Um, <laughs> no, no, Smalley's bigger than you, man. <laughs> Smalley's not bigger than anybody. <laughs> oh, that's so wrong. It's because he's diminutive. Uh, David, I am not part of this. I'm gonna make that <laughs> so he knows he's tiny. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have your own show. We're building a whole. St- I mean, uh, so I have a show coming up, but we're building a whole studio um, with video, audio, all the stuff set up, all the website, all the infrastructure, like a radio station where. The, the activists and people in the community that want to do a podcast and they want to learn how oh, to do it. Oh, that's awesome. That's they so can cool. come that's in. Cool they idea. can do that. They can get their own voices out. Like one of the things I want to do in the future is I just want to get up and go and, and pick a, you know, a drug dealer or some kid off the, the street, bring him in and let him have a voice wow. so that you can hear where everything is coming from because these, these, these kids aren't, are not your enemy. Wow. I, I assure you. Where is this going to be at? Where are you so this is in Baltimore. Okay. Um, in the, in, a ta- in an area called Greek Town. But we'll, we'll have it out. Um, the first thing we're doing to launch it, do you know the Adnad Said case of Syria? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. So I'm friends with his family. And the first thing we're going to do is a joint podcast together called Misconduct. And it's going to be the killing of Freddie Gray going through the nuance of that. Because we, we only see Freddie Gray as this black kid that got killed in the city. But he, he, rem- he encompasses everyone in Baltimore to a certain extent because they're all subject to these, this environment and these violations and they're all subject to, th- like, why are three white cops from the county chasing down a black kid in the hood for 
looking at them the wrong way. Like uh, we need to go into why these situations are there. People don't understand the nuance of why each part is in place. So the point of that is to get each part in place so you can understand that Freddie Gray not only represents everybody from the city, but is gradually representing everybody else in the entire world as policing has become more uh, about us versus them, blue versus everyone, instead of just blue versus the disenfranchised, you'll see that with shootings like John Raw or the case. Uh, what, what's the making murder case guy? You know that? Oh, the, uh, that, that Netflix Steve series. Avery. I don't fucking Yeah, remember. Steve Avery uh-huh. case. Um, Zachary Hammond, who got killed. You're seeing a lot of white people be killed in the very same circumstances, which I can is going to continue to grow. I, I, I want the world to understand that, that Freddie Gray just doesn't represent a poor black kid to an extent. He represents everybody and they're subject to this system. So that'd be the first thing we do. But that the point of talking about that is that it's about building a structure. So if you want to be a white liberal that helps, it's not about going in there and saying, throwing money or telling them what you want to do. It's about building structures for them. It's about making those boots so they have bootstraps to pull up because these guys work harder than anybody. I cannot believe the amount of knowledge. Like I was shocked by that for a long time. I've learned so much from these kids and they see the world. They just don't have the words to articulate it like I do because I was privileged to go to a decent school and to get into the Marine Corps and not be locked up. When I got locked up my one time as a juvenile, I got locked up with my black friend who was a thousand times better than I am as a person. And he was the one in handcuffs, not me. And that even happens in, the, in suburbia. So we, we just need to understand that it's going to affect all of us at some point in time. If we don't step up now, what's that poem? Uh, first they came for the socialists, yeah, then the yeah, trained right, unionists. Yeah. We're literally in that situation as we speak. They are coming for you because that bar of the middle class is shifting every single day. So if people were going to find your work, where would they look? The easiest thing to do is www.michaelawoodjr.net or at Michael A. Wood Jr. on Twitter. I, I interact most on Twitter because I, I really want to try and go back and forth with people, which is fucking super difficult. <laughs> <laughs> these motherfuckers, you know, they goat you in and, and you reply and then they're like, why are you being a dick? And it's like, you came on my <laughs> thing saying I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Like, Dude, that's Twitter <laughs> though, buddy. Like, you know, that's- yeah, you signed up for that. Right? You Come signed on. up for that. Well, so- we'll, put, we'll put your Twitter and your, and your website on this with this episode's show notes. Cool. Thanks for joining us, man. This Thanks was a so lot much. Of fun. I loved being here. I'm a big fan. Anytime, I, anytime you want to come back, you're welcome to come back. We we you. really enjoyed it. We I, really I, did. I'd actually like it when your when your studio gets up and running. I think it would be kind of cool. Maybe we'll come out and see it, and maybe we can do something on the road and that promote would be you. Super sweet. You did want to shoot that 50 cal Barrett sniper rifle, after all. That's the only reason I want. Why don't you fucking call me out? No, I actually forgot about that entirely. I just want to promote your shit. I wrote it. In, I wrote. I, I made a note in my phone. But now that you've done it twice, I'm shooting that fucking pig. Thanks for joining us, man. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Snake people or Sneeple control our government at the highest level. So we did read Tom for this time Jesus. in uh, the greatest, bestest, awesomest secret. The most bestest. Uh, by David Icke. The uh, most much a secret. We read chapter nine, so I have a quiz. Buddy. You have a quiz. I got a quiz for you. I don't think you're going to do that well on it. And then it's pretty hard. The final, the final piece will be the, uh, the, uh, the synopsis. But we, again, we did not have Sarah 
read for us this time. Again, there's nothing. What the hell? Does she have her own job or something? What's, yeah, go, what's going on with the that problem? One? The problem is, is that there's not – there hasn't been any paragraphs that I've come across that have been like, this is it. This is the paragraph. There were a few early on, but these ones are all – there's little snippets out of each paragraph, yeah. but there's not like one paragraph that you're just like this fucking hit it out of the park. That's because there has come a point in this book, Cecil, where the crazy doesn't stop. It is a unrelenting right. cavalcade of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. That is it, 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 at some point it numbs the mind. It's like conspiracy spaghetti. Like <laughs> you're trying to untangle because there's it. so many different right paths that they're fo- that he's following you 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 get lost in so many different conspiracies he believes every single conspiracy that's all ever the conspiracies everyone there is not yeah. one so let me let me uh let me do my quiz all right i'm i feel i feel ready for this okay, I've, here we I've go. studied here we go how did the babylonian brotherhood know about america thousands of years <laughs> before christopher columbus <laughs> ran a bl- <laughs> ran a blanket drive a The Aryans saw America from space when they left their doom world of Mars for ours. B, reptiles that live in the lower fourth dimension are capable of remote viewing. It comes standard on all reptile hybrids. (laughs) C, the Brotherhood of Reptiles hired prominent Viking Leif Erikson (laughs) to find a nice large rock in a sunny place so they could build their summer homes. (laughs) He stumbled upon the rest of the Americas while looking for Arizona. And finally, D, boats. Let's go with boats. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I actually can, – can we do swaps? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Because I have a related question, my friend. Why did the reptile Aryan Brotherhood hide the truth about who and when America was discovered by white people? A. Because despite being here already for literally thousands of years, the reptiles had to wait for white dudes to invent long-distance sailing (laughs) and navigation technologies to organically become invented before using white European dudes to pretend they totally found America, (laughs) even though America had already been found earlier, and we know this because corn, so that they could (laughs) plunder the planet of gold, which aliens really like, but they are also evidently willing to wait for and obtain by the slowest, most technologically retarded means possible. It's a very long answer, my that's, friend. That's the first answer. That's, oh, geez, there's more? Oh, you have options. Oh, gosh. B, because native populations of North America and South America were immune to the hypno-gaze of the reptile people, and so they could not be dominated. It's like the hypno-gaze. <laughs> and so they could not be dominated by an interdimensional, all-powerful race of space reptiles uh-huh. without the intervening aid of white people. C. Okay. Because it doesn't count unless white people do it totes first. (laughs) D. (laughs) Because when viewed from space, before the reptile people arrived on Earth to steal our gold over the course of tens of thousands of years, they didn't remember that the Earth had a Western Hemisphere. (laughs) Uh, What's A? It is A. It is. It's A. It's A. It's A A. because you you concluded the entire book in A. The, The entire book could be summed up in A. Essentially, A is the book. That's it. That's the book up till now is A. Okay. All right. Um, Complete the following sentence. (laughs) This is going to be great. America, land of the free? (laughs) A, but not sugar-free. B, only on nights and weekends, offer void in Utah and Montana. (laughs) Or C, what a joke. Mm. (laughs) 
The Utah and Montana really threw me, but I'm going to go with C. Go with I mean, C. like it's C. All right. So it turns out there are vacuum-sealed vaults of old books. What does this prove? A, that Credo Mutwa was right. Credo Mutwa? <laughs> I'm going to – the very next pet I have is Credo, Credo Mutwa. That's, especially if it's a dog. It's even better if it's a dog, right? Credo Mutwa. That's but, awesome. But yeah, if, even great. if it's like a fucking hamster, it's right? Credo Mutwa. I'm getting you a hamster yeah. in Credo. I'm going to feed it to my cat. <laughs> B, that the reptile Aryans use the regular Aryans to take over the world. <laughs> regular Aryans. <laughs> See, we got the elite Aryans back here, and then we got just our regulars up front. C, that a guy once told Ike about a guided tour of the Vatican where the guide showed some buddy of Ike's a room full of secret books. No one is sure how this supposed fact relates to anything, but there you go. Yeah. Or D, all of this shit. <laughs> It's definitively that one. It is. It's it is. You got one. me. I yeah. know. It's a tough quiz. Yeah. It's a hard right. one. Okay. Yeah. The 15 bodies found in Ben Franklin's basement were... <laughs> <laughs> a, props for the colonial play Weekend at Bartholomew's. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. B, leftovers from a primitive version of Pokemon Go... <laughs> C. That's so great. Probably the remains of an illegal anatomy class that Ben Franklin took part in. D. The price you pay for bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> or E. Part of a satanic Babylonian Freemasonic <laughs> sacrifice. I think it's E. <laughs> that one, I got a Ben that Franklin one, one. That one's a little easy, I think. So Ben Franklin is. Mm-hmm. A. <laughs> On the $100 bill, y'all. <laughs> B, a Satanist. Uh-huh. C, a British intelligence operative somehow nicknamed Agent 72. <laughs> <laughs> D, a stalwart of the Babylonian Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. E, a sacrificer of children. Mm-hmm. Or F, again, all of this dumb shit. And who knows what this is supposed to fucking prove? <laughs> It is definitely the last one. It is. It is. It is. is. Finally, my last question. Was that your last question? That was my last question. My last question. We know that London is the seat of reptile power (laughs) because A, the Brotherhood families own the U.S. Federal Reserve and the Virginia Company is owned by the Vatican and King John in 1213 claimed autonomy for England and then assigned duties (laughs) to the Pope. B, Queen Elizabeth has been, for the last 50 years, slowly turning into a lizard. (laughs) I wouldn't say it slowly. C, reptiles don't like seats. They like tall things they can wrap themselves around, like towers, and London has a tower in it. Or D, London sits at zero degrees longitude, and zero was created by the Babylonians, who shared it with the Mayans (laughs) after the Phoenicians (laughs) sailed there in about 500 AD, and then they traveled to England. (laughs) And, and while it did not have the ideal temperature or food sources for reptiles to thrive, it did have low rent, and the chicks did butt stuff. <laughs> it's the last one. No, it's not. It is the last no, one. No, it's not. God damn it. It's A. It's oh, the Brotherhood families wrong? own the U.S. Federal Reserve, and the Virginia Company is owned by the Vatican, and King John in, two, in 1213 <laughs> – Nah. Claimed autonomy for England and then assigned duties to the. That is why they're there. That's uh, what he said. I, I, and I was like, none of those things fucking even connect. They don't, I just, like, it doesn't even make any well, sense. It's, 
It is so much work oh, to arrive at the conclusion. God. It's so much work. And I have to tell you, Cecil, I'm always going to vote for the butt stuff. All right. uh, me too. <laughs> just, me just, too. Even if I know it's not right, I, and butt stuff rarely is, <laughs> I'm still going to vote for it. Is it odd that she squirts from there? <laughs> it's not squirting. <laughs> uh, I, I, have, I have two haikus. Lock down the U.S., all you need is 146 people. <laughs> because he refers yes. to the fact that all you need to do to stall legislation in the United States is have one third of the legislature, the House. He doesn't even right. say the Congress. It could be even, it, it should probably be even more, but so, yeah, so that's good. Right. And then uh, my, my other IQ, the revolution. The Americans didn't win, Brits chose to lose. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's his argument. It's like, it's like London. They, they manufactured the revolution so that London could be in control. It's like they were already in control. They, 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 yeah, they were already in control. It didn't make any sense it, at all. That's the craziest. Yeah. That is the craziest argument in this book so far. Yeah. That they, they manufactured a war to create a second government, but it's still ruled by the first. Go- like, why would you go through all that work? I seriously, it is. It's crazy. It's so much work. All right, so here we go. This is my. Uh, this is this my is your summary. synopsis. All right, here we go. I'm loving it. Reptile hipsters knew about America before it was cool (laughs) and have been controlling it since forever. The United States isn't a country. It's the Virginia Company. Not to be confused with the Virginia Slim Company. No one here is slim. The Constitution is essentially a loophole, very similar to Garfunkel and Oates' song in a sense that it exists for the government to fuck you in the ass. Also, you don't need to pay income tax. Trust me. <laughs> he does say that. He does. He's like, and even the people who know it's a scam still pay it because they're scared. Scared of what? Yeah. Because he says in here, there's no yeah. law that there's says no you law. have to pay it. It's like, <gasps> well, but if you don't pay it, you can go to j- jail for tax evasion. Jiggity so jail, I bro. feel like there's a law. Jiggity jail, bro. He does go sovereign citizen in there. Oh, he totally does. He, he goes he sovereign jumps citizen. off the sovereign citizen. Yeah. Uh, he really does go straight sovereign citizen. So for the next... We wound up skipping a week, um, but we are going to try to get to chapter 12 in August so we can have Stuart from the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast on to talk about chapter 12, with ho- which hopefully has something to do with astronomy. Anything? anything? Could it have something to do with anything at any point? We, I do, I do want to point out that today, or whenever you read this, but me today, we broke, <laughs> <laughs> we broke the 200-page mark. Yeah. Which means we've read 200 pages mm-hmm. of a basically a list of old places and people. That's exactly. <laughs> and how they're somehow right. interconnected right. Right. when David Icke did shrooms. It's, it's, yeah. it's just all – everything's a sign of a yeah. symbol of a signy symbol. It's, it's, been, it's been a real, real treat to it, read What so a far. joy. And uh, I'm anxious to, uh, to finish this book up because now it's going to start – hopefully he's done – no, he's never – He's laid the groundwork, and now yeah. we're going to connect the dots. Know, is that it's, where it's you're going? 200 pages in. I, uh, I have a feeling there are many more lists to come. This is like infinite jest. Like yeah. you make it 200 pages in, you're like, okay, all right, the hook is coming. The hook? <laughs> Woo! All right, here we go. It's just, all right, eyes to page, yeah. eyes to page. I bought that on audiobook. Did you? No. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, that would be a fucking beast. Uh, well, next time, chapter 10. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. 
couched in scientician double bubble toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative acupunctuating pressurized stereogram pyramidal free energy healing water downward spiral brain dead pan sales pitch late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death in Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques, and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose Your Signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 